Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rodcast. Today we are continuing our discussion on communion. Last time we talked about really who communion is for. So Pastor, could you give us a quick summary of that question and then we'll get into the rest? Um, People will have to go back to last week's one. We did a whole biblical uh, reading of um, 1 Corinthians 11 which is a really important scripture about um, the local church in Corinth taking communion together. And, and some of them were getting greedy uh, and taking all the food before others got there. And, and it, it says that almost the last verse says, so then verse 33, so then my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other, wait and take together. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. First Corinthians 11 is talking about, the body of Christ loving each other. And it's talking to Christians and it's saying that communion is a beautiful thing. It recognizes the body of Christ, the the people around us that we live with and the interaction of that. But when Paul was talking to the Corinth church here, um, people didn't live in isolated groups. They lived in households and often more wealthy households, which Paul is talking to here, also had had, um, servants, people that took care of the horses or the cows or um, swept the house. So when it talks about households and eating, it was a community event. And Paul is saying to them, when you take communion, when, it, when this happens, don't leave people out. Don't, don't leave people behind. Don't, don't eat up front so when the servants come in later, there's nothing left. Paul is saying it is a understanding of the body of Christ. So here he says, don't, don't, don't eat in a way that brings judgment. It's got nothing to do whether they're Christians or not. It's got to do with the heart of inclusion, the heart of bringing everyone in together. So who is it for? It is those who know the Lord and those who are open to God, who, who honor him, even in their search, even mm. in their search. And I remember as a non-Christian, um, you know, talking about this with the people that were discipling me towards Christ. And when I read this, I just thought it meant, yeah, um, this will, this sounds great. You know, as a non-Christian, I read, I read this. I thought this, this sounds good. This is good. This is the body. This is this is what I'm I'm thinking about becoming a believer. I'm thinking about becoming a part of a body like this. And it would have been such a shock to me if I'd gone somewhere and they said you can't take it. It would have been a real shock, just as it is in Japan, just as it is in Indonesia, where I am right now. The concept of exclusion from meals and from events and is, is really a very, very strange concept in both Old Testament and New Testament. The concept of inclusion for those with a good heart is very, very much a good thing. We talked about it last week. I think I must finish there and push hmm. people back to last week because I know that we're going on to another question, uh, which is, let's, let's go there. Yeah, which is really what happens when we take communion? Yeah. It's a big question, well, but yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. I, th- I believe that there, that there is a power in communion. Jesus only instituted two ceremonies. He instituted baptism, water baptism, and communion. Water baptism is that once only experience after we receive Jesus, or I know some people might get rebaptized if they didn't understand earlier in life. That's for another discussion. But Jesus brought water baptism and communion. And when he brought in communion, it was the night before the cross. And it was on the back of Passover. So the concept of of Jesus becoming the Lamb of God, becoming the Passover Lamb, they ate a a lamb in that meal, 
And uh, there's too much background into that again. But when they did that the night before the cross, there would have been the Passover meal and Jesus and the 12 disciples, including Judas Iscariot. At that time, the Bible says Judas had already betrayed Jesus with 30 pieces of silver and the devil had already entered Judas's heart when he was sitting at the table with Jesus taking communion. So once again, there is the offer. There is the offer of life and openness to other people, which we might wheel back to again. But the question you're asking is, is it powerful? And it's very powerful because Jesus said, this is my blood and this is my body. And here in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's saying, when you eat and others don't, you are drinking and it's going to result in judgment on yourself. That means there's power in it. How can you do something, a ceremony, and if you do it wrongly, there's judgment? But that's exactly what it's saying here because we don't understand the power and the person involved in communion. So we are going to talk about that right now. What is the power and what is the the lifestyle of communion? Because I believe it's something not, not just for, you know, for five minutes on a Sunday or um, a, a service based around it just once a week. I, I believe this is a life event, a lifestyle event. And I'm, I'm, we take communion in a short time on Sunday too. So there's nothing wrong with that, but it's mm. not limited yeah. to a time and place. It's a lifestyle. Why is that? Because it actually adds power into mm. our Christian life. I really do yeah. believe that. Um, as I said, you don't have judgment unless there's something that's powerful, right? Yeah. And so if we if we talk about the power of it, like what firstly, it's split up into two elements there, the 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 bread and the wine. Can you speak to each one of those? Jesus said the bread represents his body and the wine represents his blood, and he said to both of them, um, remember me when you take this. This is in 1 Corinthians 11. So the number one thing we're supposed to do is is in both is remember the work of Jesus. Remember with joy and celebration that someone took our pain, someone took our sin, someone took our our punishment for hell. Someone took it. It's called his name is Jesus. We love Jesus, right? So both are involved in this celebration. Um, why are there two? Well, let's look at the body. The word body is very interesting, isn't it? The, the body of Christ. The, that's what we call the, the church universal, the body of Christ. And we're remembering his body on the cross, but also from this scripture, we're remembering we're part of a body. We're part of a community to love and to forgive and to eat together. And, and so the, the food, uh, Jesus said, you know, take my flesh. And, and it's, it's a powerful symbol, but it's also a powerful experience of celebration, remembering, getting my heart right, thanking Jesus. It's, it's, it's a, a check up from the neck up, they used to say a generation ago, a check up from the neck up. Like, like, how's my attitude? How's my heart? How's my... So thinking about Jesus and his body on the cross and his body, and I believe it's speaking about forgiveness. It's speaking about cleansing. It's speaking about um, being part of a beautiful community. It's speaking about this moment of cleansing in my mind and my heart. So when we come to the the wine, which we use Japanese tea, we talked about that last week, just because Japanese like Japanese tea. Um, 
you think, well, what's the difference? Well, he talks about it's my blood and it's, it's the same symbols, really forgiveness. But I also believe in there, there is healing in both of them. So I, I think they're both two parts of the same, really. Right. Um, but we do both. We don't do one. We, we actually are remembering the, the body, the, the death and the blood that was shed and, and, and putting it together as this powerful union. And then the resurrection on his body uh, from, the, from the dead. It also speaks of resurrected Jesus and we're remembering and we're thankful and there's power in there. Um, now, we don't get forgiven again and again and again and again, um, but I do believe we can be renewed again and again and again and again. So I think the first thing is attitude. I really believe there's powerful uh, to forgive and release other people, to forgive and release myself uh, from things I've done. That's called guilt and shame. And mm. just this week we, we heard from a, a great man, uh, uh, a believer in Tokyo for many years, gone back to the United States and heard us talking about these issues. And he said, you know, journaling and, and clean heart, and, and, and free from guilt. He wrote this week saying this teaching has totally set him free. He's just living a new, as a Christian, he's living in a new revelation of freedom and release. And part of that is communion. Take communion, get released. Don't hold on to stuff. Mm. Release that stuff. It's an opportunity from the neck up to, to, to affect our, our attitude, our heart, our thinking about other people around us. And it, it's an opportunity every time. So I don't get forgiven again and again and again. I am forgiven. I live in grace. Mm. But I think it's an opportunity to get clean. Um, talks about in, in, in Romans 12, the renewing of the mind. I believe communion is a big, big part of that. Every time we take communion, it's Jesus, it's memory, and clean my heart, Lord, towards other people. But also I believe that... Um, as we think about what Jesus has done for us, it also should bring us to a place of joy, a joyful experience. I believe communion should be a joyful experience, not a constant um, um, lamentation, if I can use an old Bible word. Mm. It's not a continual lamentation of my sin. It's a, it's a continual celebration of my forgiveness in Christ. So I think it's also a practicing of joy and thankfulness and and. Uh, things that are crowded in. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. so it's also um, cleansing of my heart, cleansing opportunity. So I hope I'm getting this clear. Like you, you don't get forgiven again and again and again, but there is this moment where you can have mind cleansing, heart cleansing, and then I want to talk about the body cleansing because um, in, in when Jesus healed people, he actually did use a scripture from the Old Testament about healing in Isaiah 53. It's a famous prophetic word that speaks so clearly of Jesus and all he's done. Um, in, in, in fact, in, um, in, in the Jewish world, sometimes they call it the, the, the forbidden chapter because it's just so clearly speaking about the Messiah doing everything. When Jesus came, he, he spoke about Isaiah 53. And um, one, of, one of the things we were talking earlier about this, Richard. It, there's two scriptures in the New Testament that speaks about this. I think we need to go there mm-hmm. because in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus has been healing a whole bunch of people. And um, in, in the context of uh, um, Matthew 10, he heals a man with leprosy, faith of the centurion. Uh, it says Jesus heals 
Many, verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed them all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases, Isaiah 53, verse 4. So Jesus very clearly says this healing and deliverance you're watching, this, this was spoken about. Messiah is bringing this. The Messiah is bringing this ministry of healing and deliverance. And and he openly says that. So I think that when we talk about communion, we're thinking about the whole work of the cross. I believe that there is healing in the atonement. There's healing in the work of the cross and the resurrection. Now, once I've said that, I know there are people who have not received healing. um, And so we're not bringing any judgment about why people are not healed. That's another, we could do a whole Thing yeah, on that it's another one um, so it's not it's not it's not judgment it's not but for me i want to believe there could be healing every time i take communion it could happen that to me is living in hope the hope of the resurrection the hope of this scripture that he took up our infirmities and carried our diseases now the other scripture we were talking about is in peter right is it what was it first peter 2 what was this the scripture we were discussing Two, was it was it 22 and and and, and yeah, I think it was. And, and Peter, who is the Apostle Peter writing this, um, brings up another scripture from, uh, can you just check where that is? Yeah. I've got it here. First Peter 2 and verse 24. It says, okay. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, or the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness, for by his wounds you have been healed. Yeah, there it is again. And that's Isaiah 53, verse 6. Mm. So Peter, is who, who knew Jesus more than any of us, close up, personal, saw the healing, saw the, cruci- saw the crucifixion from a distance, saw the resurrected Jesus, saw the power of God through praying for the sick in, in Acts. He then later on says, um, we know this. He, he himself bore our sins, and by his wounds you have been healed, Isaiah 53.6. So you can't separate healing from the work of Christ then, and I believe that when we take communion, we practice healing now. We're not demanding God do it. Uh, there's been many times I've taken communion. I was not healed. But I want to share my story. Um, is it okay? I want to share my story. Yeah, we want to hear so, so coming to Christ, I read the New Testament before I gave my life to Christ. And, and the more I read about the New Testament world, I thought, this is great. This is really good. And then I gave my life to Jesus. So I knew there was power in, the, in, 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 in this thing called um, communion. You could call it Eucharist or giving thanks or, or whatever, the Lord's Supper. Um, I knew there was power. And so um, if I had a healing need, when I went to church as a new Christian now and they took communion, I would always say in my heart, Lord, I pray you would heal me. I pray you'd heal my mind and my heart and my body. It was not stressful to do that. It was not uh, a law, a legal thing. I, I didn't have to do it, but I really believed there was healing from what I read. And it was a few years later after that when I was a, a salesman, a few years after salvation, so I'm now probably about 23 um, I, I, I broke out with this psoriasis on my left hand. 
um, which means um, these, these, these bubbling blisters, these terrible sores on my left hand. Now, I am, left, I am left-handed, so to write was painful. I couldn't play tennis or squash like I liked. Um, it's just embarrassing having and, – and why only one hand? It's weird. And as a salesman, I sold pharmaceuticals. I would ask every doctor at the end of my consultation with them, doc, doc, just by the way, what do you think that is? <laughs> I was probably not the best uh, salesman doing that, but I took my opportunities. And, and, and doctors have samples from drug companies, and they would, I, I tried every sample of every drug. They, I, 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 I'm not mentioning doctors' names here, so no one's in trouble, but um, I tried everything. So as a Christian, I'm believing for healing. I will try medicine. I will try uh, medical, you know, no problem. But my hand was not healed. Um, but every Sunday we took communion back then. And every Sunday as we took communion, I would say, Lord, I'm praying for healing. By your wounds, I am healed. And every Sunday I was not healed. And this went on for six months, but I never gave up. Every Sunday, Lord, I'm praying for healing in my hand. And it didn't get better for one year, 18 months, and I never gave up. I really believed there was healing in the work of the cross. And it was about two years after I was, another church service, after, you know, 100 church services now, two years, and I'm still praying. And that night I went home, and that, that night after two years of starting, I noticed my hand wasn't red and not so much blistered anymore. One night it just looked different. And the next morning when I woke up, it was healed like it is today. And I can't answer a lot of the questions right now that people are going to say, well, why wasn't it healed and where was the power? And I can't answer anything except I really believed the communion was going to help me get healed. I really believed that. I was only a young Christian, but I really believed in the power of communion. And so I would say to people, um, communion is an opportunity for God to heal my, my attitude and my mind my heart and my emotions, or my physical body. So here it is. Here's my summary. I believe communion is another opportunity for being touched by God. Mm. I believe the power of the cross and the resurrection is enough to do something as I remember Jesus, I celebrate, and I ask God to touch me. I believe there is power in communion. And I would say to anyone listening to this, it, you don't have to wait for a church service for Sunday. Communion yep. can be done in a mealtime, um, pick up a bit of food. And, 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 and we talked last week about in Thailand where we lived four years, um, we had nothing else, but we used sticky rice and Coca-Cola. <laughs> that was our communion. In Japan, we use Japanese tea and rice crackers, which I, I think is really delicious and nice. Um, so it's not the, it's not the stuff. It's, it's the meaning and so I think we can use anything. We could use water. We could use coffee. We could use chocolate. But the thing isn't the emblem or the substance of what we take. It is, it is the meaning. And, and just one more thing on that. Um, in my own mind, I've come up with a little thought that, so what is communion? What is it? It doesn't physically change like um, some people believe. It doesn't physically change, but it has. It's it's charged with power, and so I'm thinking now that all of Christ goes into all of me when I take communion. I'm already saved, 
Mm-hmm. I've already got grace, but it's a moment where I'm remembering Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, and I'm thinking all of Christ goes to all of me. Because if it's good stuff, it will go to every cell in your body, right? So I believe there can be that concept of healing through communion. So I've, I've talked about my story as a young Christian. So I just always thought there was healing in communion. Um, so, so when I heard people saying, no, no, it's just symbolic, I, I would think but but, 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 but the cross is powerful and resurrection is powerful. So anywhere you want to go with this right now, Richard, that's, that's my story. It's an amazing story. Um, and there's, yeah, there's many ways we could take this. I guess like when the, with the whole thing of it just being symbolic and I guess implying that there is not power in it it's more so just okay we're remembering only like it's a memorial uh remembering something that happened uh we're not i guess it's not really talking to the state of our own hearts and and when uh, when we take this communion and we're remembering jesus we're, we're we're posturing our heart in a way that's glorifying what he did on the cross and and activating all of that over our lives so i can see why that would be powerful and and even with regards to the food not it not being about the food like i could you could say the same with baptism too it's not a there's no special water like i got baptized in australia the water there wasn't more special than anywhere else but it was my heart that yeah had positioned me for god to move that day and uh, so these ceremonies are, be, are more than just, yeah, more than just a ceremony. Yeah. But as I said, Jesus only implemented two ceremonies, water baptism and communion. I, I think it's pretty powerful, right? Both of them. Mm-hmm. We, and, and historically, I think the majority of church history, there's always been, well, there's almost always been power in communion. I, I know that before the Roman Catholic Church started in the fourth century, there was just the church, the universal church. They actually did call it Catholic as well, which means universal. But 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 there was the church. There was the church in in France and England and you know um, Middle East and, and Africa and Ethiopia, the um, uh, towards Asia even. So that the church always felt there was power in baptism and communion. When the the Roman Catholic Church started, it it maintained that. But it, it brought in a doctrine called um, transubstantiation. That's a very big word. It just means a cross substitute. And what they believe is the, that the emblems actually become physically the body and blood of Christ. Now, we don't believe that, but they did, have, they did include the power, which is one of the reasons why I do believe the Roman Catholic Church has been so um, sustainable right through church history after that. I, I just, there's no question that the Catholic Church is a very, very powerful church. We, we're not advocating anything here today, but you just can't deny that that's a big part mm. of what they do. And it's a big part of um, how they, they spread the gospel in many countries. The, this transubstantiation, I don't believe in that because it, it, you could look at it. It doesn't, it doesn't change form. But in the Reformation with Luther, the Lutherans brought in something called co-substantiation, which again, big word, it just means something changes, but it's not actually the actual change into the substance of, of body and blood. 
And, you know, we would look at that and say, well, that, that sounds really interesting. What's the difference? And I'd say, well, that, that is carrying the power. The, the, the substance doesn't change, but there is actually power charged. There's, there's power in it. And I think that's what I would believe. I, th- I think that, that is, that's, a, that's a great way to think of communion. It's only really been in the last 100 years or so that, that Christians have said it's just symbolic. It actually is a newer doctrine. Really? Um, okay. As far as I understand in church history, it, it is a newer thought that, like, like water baptism, it's just symbolic. Well, I would say, no, no, Romans 6 says something is turned off in our life. The, the life of sin is it's switched off. That's for another study. But something happens in Romans 6 in water baptism, and I believe something actually happens in communion. It's an opportunity for power. It's an opportunity to recharge, change, renew, um, revive. In fact, I think communion could be a great moment for revival in our hearts every mm. time we do it. And um, so, so church history is, is mostly, and in most countries, uh, including Asia where we live, most countries, it is charged with the power of the cross and the resurrection. And I, I would really encourage people who are not doing well with their mind or their heart or their body to take communion regularly. Um, you hear about many pastors taking communion to people in hospital and, 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 and or taking it to a home ridden or it's part of the visit is to let, let's, mm-hmm. let's take communion. And even as a family with my kids growing up, you know, we, every night at meal, we would hold hands and someone would pray for the food. And uh, hopefully we'd talk about, you know, God and good things. Um, not specifically saying this is communion, but it sort of is. Because yeah. it's, it's remembering Jesus, giving thanks. I believe the meal time can be charged with power. Um, why not believe in, in our lives being charged again and again? Now, the Holy Spirit lives in us all the time. But I do believe that we can actually have experiences with God on a regular basis. So I've talked about a lot of things. Whew, I, I, I think, a, yeah, there, there's a lot here. I think one of the big things is is also so we've talked about it being power and not it is remembering but in that there is power yeah you know we're remembering the power of the cross and but but beyond that as well i feel like sometimes it's almost put there's a focus on remembering your sin right rather than remembering what jesus has freed us from you know or or remembering the power of the cross. So speak to that a little bit because that definitely makes things very heavy. Yeah. If- we, I've, as I said, as, as coming to Christ, looking at these scriptures, I could see nothing but thanks, even as a non-Christian. Now, look, you've got to remember, I'm, I haven't given my life to Christ. I'm a seeker. I'm a spiritual seeker reading the Bible. All I could read when I read about Jesus was this beautiful person that healed people and set them free and went to the cross. So when I gave my life to Jesus, it really was a surrender. And he came in, the darkness in me left. I was filled with his love. And and I I couldn't understand, even as a new Christian, why it was so heavy. I thought thought we're supposed to remember and be happy. Good news. It's supposed to be good news. (laughs) And, And the people that led me to Christ are beautiful people. I really, really thank God for them. But they would sometimes, when the communion came on Sunday morning, they would say, I can't take it today because my heart's not right. And I think, I, I didn't read that. 
I thought we're supposed to take it with Thanksgiving. So I would always take it even if I thought a bad thought or done a bad thing, right? So I didn't understand that. I didn't understand the heaviness. So when I started to research and think deeply about it and see it in culture, I think it's how we present it. Like, is mm. this a solemn assembly, a lamentation for the work of Christ, or is this a celebration of his death and resurrection and what he has done in my life? So I would take the second one as my lifestyle, and if others want the other, that's fine. But I, I really believe as a pastor, I want to say to people, it's time to remember, and it's, it's a moment to be touched, and let's celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And I, I think that I would just ask people to consider, what did Jesus say? Do this in remembrance of me. And some people will say, well, we remember him on the cross. And, and, and I would say, well, that's half, of, that's half of the story. The other half is resurrection, um, you know, which at Easter, you know, Good Friday is the, the crucifixion and Resurrection Sunday is the resurrection. It's, a, it's three days. It's a three-day journey. So however we enter it, we should be exiting it with resurrection, excitement, and, and power. And so I guess if people want to reflect deeply, great. Um, for me, I just, I'm, I'm doing good. And thank you, Jesus, you died. And I love this resurrection life. So again, we don't want to judge people's experiences, but I just don't read the heaviness into what Jesus wanted us to do. Um, if someone has a scripture about that, they can write in. But I, I just, I don't see the heaviness. Some people might say, but on the night Jesus took communion, he, 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 he wept and he, he, he cried out to God, if, if, if this could pass from me. And, and my answer to that is that was a heavy night, mm-hmm. a night that will not be repeated, the night of his, of his um, uh, Last Supper betrayal and being taken to crucifixion within a few hours. That was a once only. That, that's not a repeated event. So when we read the First Corinthians 11 and, and Paul is saying, everybody eat together, it's, it's remembering Jesus. I think our mind should not go to the heaviness of the Last Supper, although to, to give thanks to what Jesus did. But that's not to be repeated. We're supposed to be living a resurrection life remembering the crucifixion as well. So I don't know, mate. Do you want to add your Yeah, what, what about the early church? So Acts 2 talks about them like house to house, yeah. uh, you know, sharing, uh, sharing communion together and basically daily uh, they were meeting together and like this as part of their lifestyle. So yeah. even beyond a Sunday church experience, yeah, well, there's, you- there's nothing that's, I mean, the, the Bible calls Sunday the, the, the Lord's Day, and that's mm-hmm. why most places in the world, you know, celebrate Sunday, except in the mm-hmm. Middle East, which is Friday, because that's the day off. Um, for the Jews, it's Friday night, uh, Passover. So the day itself doesn't really matter that much, except for habit. But you're talking about Acts chapter 2 and the birth of the church, and there's 100, 120 disciples, and then there's 3,000 get saved. And, and it really, it does say that. It says um, what you're quoting is, is Acts 2.46. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes. Yeah. And they together with glad and sincere hearts. It's right Ooh. there, isn't it? Yep. So the, the, the early church had this 
daily communion, but it was in the homes. Um, the, again, the NLT says with great joy. Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> so thanks so, for bringing that up, Rich. That's a great scripture. Yeah. So what would you read from that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Last Supper, the actual Last Supper, where Jesus was headed to the cross, you can understand that there was heaviness in Jesus's heart. Like, of course, he knew what he was going going towards, but. It seems that from that moment on, the disciples had great joy when they took it from from that scripture. Yeah, and I think that this has just happened 50 days after the resurrection or 47 days or whatever it is. This is and Jesus was with them on earth for those days, hearing mm. them, and, and, and then he gets taken off the earth. So there's, re- there's resurrection, and 47 days later, there's ascension. Jesus leaves them. This happens. All they're remembering is this incredible risen Jesus for 47 days with them. Isn't that amazing? On and on. Mm. And then 3,000 get saved. This is truly joyful moments. Um, and I think that is the the model for communion as well as being part. It often was part of their meal. And so you, I, I, I couldn't imagine us having our meal table and all of a sudden let's let's all get very serious mm. for, for some of it. I, I, I I don't understand that. So it sort of stays joyful. But let me say, I I know some people have had an experience in communion where they were sad for their sin and and they did repent or change their mind. And they they used the opportunity. Mm, To get right. For a renewal. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I've been there too. I'm sure you've been there too. So it is an opportunity. Yeah. But I guess it's it's not staying like that forever and going over that sin again and then that sin again and every yeah. time you take communion yeah yeah going over yeah. that stuff so no and i think that's really important that it's not confessing the same stuff over and over and over where god says i forgive you and then we're saying it again and again and again i, I think that gets into condemnation uh we, we've mm. got to have a revelation of resurrection forgiveness so practically how could this look in the, you know, for someone in our culture in this year, uh, like how would this look in our, in our lives, like with our families? Uh, yeah, m- maybe even outside of church. So we do it in church together. A lot of churches would do that. But how could this look during the week? Um, just getting with a friend and say, let's, let's just thanks Jesus now and getting some coffee and a biscuit and giving thanks. Or when I'm sick, just taking it by myself, just, just, just grab something and say, thank you, Jesus, for death and resurrection, crucifixion, resurrection. Thank you, Lord. And it's, it's just remembering that moment, but charging that moment with the power, I think, that is, is available to us. So, therefore, it could be anywhere, anytime. Um, and and, and honest, honestly, there's, there's times where I haven't been able to eat or drink something. Um, I remember one day I was um, in a jail somewhere in the world, in a country where... <laughs> I hadn't done anything wrong. I was preaching the gospel. Um, I don't want to tell this story too much, but um, I, I was arrested for um, preaching the gospel and um, put in a cell and was taken out in intense um, interrogation. I had no chance to get food and water. Like I was, right. I was, wow. But I took communion in my heart. So I mean, there's even those times where you know, like if if you're in a train, you can't just find something or in Japan anyway, <laughs> Japan trains. So I don't think we should, could even be limited by that aspect. Although 
having the ambulance emblems in front of me just focuses. Mm. Yeah. So I'm not trying to get away from that. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes, or if you're in a hospital bed and can't move, you can take communion. Like we can't limit this to earthly limitations. This is a powerful yeah. spiritual principle, isn't it? And so maybe if you're sick, maybe take it a bit more often. Yeah, I would if take every every day if I was seeking healing. Especially, like I said, it's an opportunity for even God to speak to me and change and forgiveness, release and healing. Um, I'm not trying to combine anything together here. I'm just saying it could it could be something in the whole package. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not take communion if if you if if you're sick at home with the kids? It doesn't have to be a heavy thing. Say, hey, kids, we're just gonna take this biscuit and thank Jesus. You know, like it doesn't have to be. A heavy thing, which which let me say again, we said it last week. Um, some people don't let their children take communion until they're water baptized at a certain age, and I, I don't actually read that in the Bible. Um, uh, parents have the right for whatever decision they make, of course. I just don't see it as a biblical model. So I think when kids take communion but don't understand, it's great. It's great. We're telling them this is about Jesus. They go, okay. Um, it's they're not disrespecting. Jesus. So um, I think if your kid's sick, just take communion with them. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about this recently. I don't think the disciples understood what the gravity of what Jesus was saying when he explained it. It seemed to kind of go yeah. over their heads. Yeah. And yet he, you know, he joined with them in that moment and they shared it with him. I think I think it was later that maybe the, the full revelation of that mo- that moment maybe hit them. So I think it was the same when I got baptized. I didn't understand all the theology behind all of it. I just wanted right. to follow Jesus. Yeah. And I don't think it it's limited. Luckily, I don't think it's limited by our own understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's by God's power and his grace in that in that that we're that we can come into that. I don't know. That's yeah. what it seems like to me. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I I love the way you said that, young Christian, young faith. I I think, you know, God just loves us seeking the answers to this stuff, right? And there's no judgment in that. So just that that, that simple childlike faith is a great guide for us. Mm. Awesome. Well, I think we should wrap it up there. It's been a great uh, podcast, great discussion on communion. So thanks so much, Pastor Rod, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Rod, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this and we'll see you next time.